0: Come on, let's give it unto the Lord. Just one more moment. Give Him some praise in this place. Amen. If you're thankful to be in the house of the Lord, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Ezekiel 22, verses 23 through 31. I do believe, for me, not all uh, sermons come together quite the same way. Uh, but this one was was very unique, and it, and it sat in my spirit fairly heavy. So I appreciate Pastor giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. And I do believe God wants to deal with the congregation here in person. And for those watching online, so glad you're joining us and hope this word will impact you as well. Amen. Ezekiel 22, starting in verse 23. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man... Say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion, ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to de- destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing van. Test, test, test. Sorry about that. Praise the Lord. The enemy doesn't want you to hear this tonight. But he's in for it. <laughs> the, p- verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge... And stand in the gap before me, before the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. And have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. If I can remember, I like to do a kind of a thesis statement at the beginning. That way if you get bored halfway through You can leave and know what I'm talking about. But here it is. Despite a pandemic, there is still a lost humanity that needs the church to continually intercede on their behalf. And with the dreaded P word being pandemic, I want to talk about another P word. This message is titled, The Problem with the Pauls. Everybody shout, Pauls. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to be with us. Thank you, Jesus, for the presence we feel in this place. We ask you right now, Lord, that you would move and minister. God, that you would speak through your vessel tonight. Anoint my lips, Jesus, to speak what you would have us to hear. Nothing more, nothing less, Lord. Allow your word to go forth and not return void, but accomplish whatsoever you desire it to accomplish in this place tonight. Help us to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and everyone said amen. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise tonight? and anticipation of his word you can be seated in Jesus name it was christmas time 2003 and i had gone over my dad's for christmas and for those who may not know for my dad i am his only child and so with such great fortune comes great benefits Such as Christmas time, when you get more gifts, can I get an amen? And uh, I think the Christmas before that, he had surprised a nine-year-old with a flip phone. And so, I got this like big, bulky Nokia flip phone that you could like walkie-talkie on the side. Anybody? Testing, testing, okay. And so, uh, I don't know why a nine-year-old needed it, but I was the coolest kid on campus, I thought, so... The following year however, there was this big box in the living room and I was extremely excited to see how he was going to top last year's present. And so I frantically unwrapped this package with excitement and mystery motivating every tug of the wrapping paper. And finally I realized that he had gotten me this unexpected awesome gift. It was an Xbox, the first Xbox. And uh, I had wanted this Xbox video game for a while, and and so now it was finally mine. So as a small boy with not much going on, I became just enamored with this video game. And uh, any time I was over at my dad's house, I would turn that big X on and power up the video game and just be all of my 10-year-old cares would dissipate, whatever cares a 10-year-old would have. <laughs> and this fascination, it lasted for quite some time. But after a while, I kind of began to lose interest in playing for hours on end. And uh, one, one time I, I started the game, and I just kind of got bored with it. And so um, I got sidetracked and decided I would hit the pause button. And I would come back to it later. And so uh, I went and got a snack and just kind of got carried away with uh, other things. And I realized that I forgot that I had put this video game on pause. And so when I remembered, I ran upstairs because I was in the middle of this level. And I wanted to beat the level. So I went back upstairs so I could start this game again. But what I didn't realize was... That the system would power down after a certain amount of time of inactivity. And so when I went to go back to the game and to finish the level that I was on, I had lost everything I had worked towards. And so when I paused in the moment, I thought it was a good idea. But in the long run, I realized, man, I really messed up. I got to try and beat whatever monster I was playing or whatever I was doing. I had to go back and try and figure it out. And see, I believe sometimes in our spiritual lives, we have a tendency to hit the pause button and not understand the ramifications because, uh, you know, I thought I could pause and get a snack and just kind of take my sweet old time and go back and everything would be just as normal, But what I realized is after a certain amount of time of pausing, things weren't the same anymore. I wasn't able to just pause and go back to how things used to be. I wish somebody helped me preach tonight. I wonder if there are any Christians in 2020 who have decided to hit the pause button on the things of the kingdom of God. And they think that they'll pause for months on end and return and everything will be back to how it was when they left it. But the problem with the pause button is that sometimes things shut down due to inactivity. And all of a sudden the spiritual life we once had doesn't exist anymore. We're in trouble tonight because I feel like preaching. See, we fool ourselves into thinking we can pause on our spiritual walk and use a pandemic or the economy or the country as an excuse. But Jesus is not looking for excuses. He's looking for faithful followers who will deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow Come on, when we follow him, it doesn't mean the chaos stops. Following doesn't stop the world from acting all kinds of crazy. But I don't ever want to hit the pause button on my spiritual life only to wake up and realize I'm not who I used to be. Come on, don't hit the pause button on your spiritual life and wonder why you don't have a desire for the things of God. Don't pause on the Word and wonder why certain words are leaving your mouth that ought not leave the mouth of a Christian. Don't pause on prayer and wonder why you don't want to come to the house of God. We can't afford it to Paul you see Peter writes he says be sober be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour the enemy realizes that you can't just pause on the spiritual things and not wind up into the carnal things and so he's trying everything he can. Every attack on your mind. Every fear. Listen, I, I believe everything that's going on, there's, a, that there's some a truth to it. And I believe we got to be careful. But we cannot let the spirit of fear grip us to the point where we don't want to pursue a walk with God anymore. So what happens when we hit the pause button concerning the things of God? What will our lives look like? If we sit on the sideline and decide to take time off until things just kind of get back to normal. What if things never get back to normal? Because Jesus isn't looking for a church that's satisfied with making excuses as to why we can't reach our family. He isn't looking for reasons why we've stopped reaching the lost or stopped pursuing revival in our city. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have him look at me and say, I was looking for somebody in 2020 to stand in the gap, but you were too focused on the temporal. You were too focused on the things of the world that you lost sight of your mission. There is a real danger, a very real danger in this hour. Just kind of stepping back, deciding to bow out for a little while. Anybody been guilty? I know I have, thinking, man, we just need to scrap this year and move on. I'm over it, man. Let's just kind of... You know, the thought, like, let's just kind of turn the page on this year. We'll move into 2021 and just forget this year ever happened. But I wonder, the Lord challenged me on this thought. What if we are wasting a wonderful opportunity in the midst of a chaotic season? Matthew 5:14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Everybody say, let it shine. Let Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, because as the world gets darker. The church is commissioned. get brighter. So let us not be fooled into thinking that the darkness around us is an indication of our defeat. Because so long as we're in the church, we're on the winning side. You see, here's, here's what I have to remind myself. The world's supposed to be dark they aren't expected to be anything else. We should expect the foolishness. We should not be surprised by the chaos and, and you wait wait for it. We should even expect the godlessness in the world. But what we can never do is allow the world's darkness to somehow dampen. Our light, But rather in the midst of all the chunk, in the fighting, in the division, in the hatred, the church begins to take center stage with a message of hope that can't be obtained by anything in the world. See, 2020 has defeated a lot of people. None of us are exempt from it. We felt the job losses. We felt the sickness, we felt the isolation, and the fear, and and sometimes even the depression. But if we feel it in the church, as, as the ones who have Jesus Christ as our hope, just imagine how bad it is for a lost and dying world, Who actually believed a lie that they could rely on government, on the economy, on their career, on family and friends. I believe there's a stirring that's happening underneath. We can't see it, but it's in the spiritual realm. People may not be saying it just yet. But they are searching for a deeper meaning. They are looking for other options, hoping to find an answer to the void that they're experiencing in their soul. And what better time for the church of the living God to shine like we've never shined before. As we rise to the occasion and let all of hell and its angels know we aren't backing down. We've come too far. In our opening text tonight, we see the book of Ezekiel. And sometimes Ezekiel can read kind of abstractly. There's a lot of jumping around, a lot of different things going on. But in essence, for our opening passage, we see that Ezekiel is speaking the judgments of God pertaining his people, the nation of Israel. And uh, we find in Ezekiel 20. Three, the prophet is listing the grievances the Lord has with his people Israel. You see, they had fallen into this cycle of idolatry and punishment and repentance and restoration and so on and so forth. And here Ezekiel is writing to inform the nation of Israel that God sees their sins and he's fixing to punish them for their transgressions. He speaks of dishonest gain of bloodshed within, and even of lying prophets. And let me just stop right here and say, not everyone who claims to have a word from God actually has a word from God. And I just want to clarify, I believe 100% in the prophetic. I believe spiritual gifts operate in the 21st century like they did in the 1st century. Can I get an amen? I believe these things edify the body and are necessary. But if someone claims to have a word from God, you better make sure their word lines up with His word. So we read that the the prophets were being dishonest. And here, here is just what absolutely wrecked me the other night in my devotional time. Verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. And I sought for a man among them. That should make up the hedge. And stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found none. Despite Israel's sins. Despite the idolatry. The lies. The bloodshed. The Lord said. I was still looking for a man. Among them that should make up a hedge and should stand in the gap before me. But I found none. Let it never be said of the apostolic church that in spite of all the wickedness surrounding us, that there is no one willing to go before the Lord and say, God, have mercy on this wicked generation. God, your judgment is righteous and true, but I'm pleading with you, please, hold your punishment. Give them another chance. God, give them one more chance to find an altar of repentance. Give them one more chance to make their calling and election sure. Please, God, I'm standing in the gap. I want to be very clear about how I state this next point. Because I believe wholeheartedly we ought to participate in our civic duty in the election and casting our votes. And that, that we ought to do it based on biblical values, how we see fit, all that good stuff. But hear me. This world does not need one more political opinion. It doesn't need my two cents on this candidate on that policy it needs my Jesus and if I can get them to my Jesus then the other issues just might work themselves out come on church we've been too guilty sometimes of falling in the trap of propagating a political party instead of propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ He didn't say go on into all the world and make conservatives or liberals. He didn't say go into all the world and make republicans or democrats or independents. He said go into all the world and make disciples. You see we have a biblical precedent. In the Old Testament of intercession. You see it. With Abraham and his. Nephew Lot in Genesis 18. When God pronounces judgment. On Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham immediately. Begins to plead with God. For the entire city. He says if there's 50 righteous. Would you spare it. And he goes on down. If there's there's just 10. And God said, because of your intercession, I'm going to send angels to rescue Lot and his family. But what if Abraham would have said, well, Lord, you know, I've heard a lot of bad things about Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, they probably, you know, they probably had it coming. They're just, you know, they're just so wicked. And you know what, God, your judgment is, is true and just do how you see fit. What if instead of worrying about his nephew, he was caught up in personal matters and just kind of said, man, that's, you know, I really hate to hear that. that's, That's kind of a bummer. Think about that. But no, Abraham went before the Lord and he interceded on behalf of a family member. I wonder how many family members tonight need us to say, God, would you rescue them? God, would you pull them out of the junk that they're caught up in? Come on, anybody got a family member that need, you need to stand in the gap for tonight? How many family members are literally dangling over the fires of hell with one bad car accident? or one cancer diagnosis, or even the rapture of the church between them and the devil's hell. I'm not trying to be crude tonight. I do think we should be made a little uncomfortable during this hour, knowing that our family and friends need Jesus, and we've got the answer, so we can't afford to hit the pause button and sit on the sidelines. There's too many souls that need an encounter with Jesus Christ. Come on, we ought to let hell know tonight. We're making a declaration right now. We will stand in the gap. We will keep praying. We will keep fasting. We will keep pursuing. Come on, let him know, devil, you can't have my family. You can't have... You can be seated. Exodus 32, we see another example of intercession. And God had just delivered Israel from bondage of Egypt. And he was leading them to the promised land. And the people were without their shepherd Moses for a time and left to their own devices. And After Moses ascended up to the mountain, they decided that they were going to make a golden calf to worship in the place of the Lord. And Exodus 39, starting in verse 9 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. These bunch of jerks at the bottom of the hill making Moses' life a nightmare. And God said, we'll just get rid of them. We'll start start this over again. If I were Moses, I would say, all right, that sounds good. Those guys are a pain in my neck. I'm done with the problems. But in verse 11 says And Moses besought the Lord his God and said Lord why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people Which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt With great power and with a mighty hand Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains To consume them from the face of the earth Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people Think about that. Moses had a chance. He had every excuse. He don't have to worry about them. Those guys are, those guys are talking behind his back. They're doing him wrong. But even in that moment, Moses said, I've got to intercede on their behalf. That, that even in their wrong... This is what we have to realize as the church. That even in their wrong. See we we want to wait until they come crawling back. And and us say I told you so. And then we can help them out. But even when they don't realize it yet. We've got to go before them and God. And say wait a minute God. Wait a minute. You don't want to do that. Come on God. that, That you've got great things for them. And maybe, just maybe, God is looking for somebody who will take up the mantle of an intercessor and begin to stand in the gap for prodigals who have walked away. Come on, anybody know a prodigal who once resided on one of these pews but the cares of life begin to cast them aside? But if we would stand in the gap and get serious about the day and hour in which we live, maybe we would have a burden for our lost. Maybe we would have a burden for our backslider. Maybe we would say, God, have Have mercy. Have mercy. See, we see examples in the Old Testament of one who would stand in the gap. But our ultimate example is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 and 11 through 15. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the sprinkling of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ? who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God and for this cause he is the mediator of the new testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance come on somebody he was the lamb which was slain from the foundation of the universe he who knew no sin became sin so that we may be the righteousness of God in him You see, all other examples throughout the Bible of intercession all point to Calvary. And we look to Calvary and we see a man named Jesus Christ. We see the creator of the universe who stepped in the time. We see the maker of it all who was manifest in flesh and became an intercession for us. Come on, and if he can do it, we can't afford to stop now. If he can save us, we've got to get serious now. See, here's the thing about the pause button. If there was anybody who had an exemption to just pause for a moment, it would have been Jesus the night before his passion. When he prayed, Father, take this cup from me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to the cross. Can we find another way? And even when he knew what was set before him, he looked down through time and he saw me and he saw you and he said, There are saving. I don't want to do it, but I've got to do it. And if he can do it for us, surely we can do it for the Come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now and let Jesus Christ know we're getting serious about the hour in which we live. Musicians can make their way. Stand to your feet. Just stay standing. You see, the problem with the pause button is that we become desensitized to the needs of those around us. And we lose sight of the need for an intercessor in this hour. You might be thinking, Brother Tyler, how do we stand in the gap for someone? I know they did it in the Old Testament, but what does that look like in 2020? Paul writes in in Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Every time we hit our knees in prayer, every time the Lord puts a burden on our hearts, we are standing in the gap for somebody. Come on, church. Now is the time to get serious about prayer. Now is the time to get serious about reaching the lost. Anybody ever been praying and God will put somebody on your spirit? You could be praying about something all the way over here and the Lord all of a sudden will drop somebody and you'll begin to intercede and tears will begin to flow. Come on, it's happened to me. I don't know how many times where I've got lost family members and the Lord will say, don't forget about them. I know they're doing this, but i still got a plan for them. I just need you to stand in the gap. I just need you to intercede. I want to make this, this sanctuary a prayer room right now and I want us to push past the flesh and get into the spirit and begin to intercede I want you to think right now of one of your family members blood ball baptized in Jesus name Holy Ghost filled who has walked away from the Lord and I want you to stand in the gap for them and say God I'm praying like I've never prayed before I'm not giving up I'm not backing down come on Let's open up these altars right now. We can space out, but please come forward. I want you to find a place to pray. I want you to find a place to intercede for the lost. Find a place to intercede for your family. let's enter that dimension let's enter that time of prayer where we decide we're going to go into a deeper dimension we're going to make a difference with our prayers we're going to pray in faith tonight come on mom your children need you right now come on dad your children need you right now Don't give up on them. Don't get discouraged. Don't get
1: discouraged.
0: your voices let the enemy